Let's bow our heads here for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we want to thank you so much for seeing us through this past week. We want to thank you, Lord, that it's Sabbath. We want to thank you for the snow outside, Lord, the reminder, Lord, that you make our sins white as snow. And Lord, we, Lord, we want to follow you. We want to follow your steps. And Father, we pray that as we open your word, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us this morning, that as we partake of the communion, we pray Lord, that your spirit would be here with us, Lord. As we do foot washing, Lord, we pray that we would understand the true significance of why we do these things, Lord. Bless our time together now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever followed someone in your car only to find out that the person you thought you were following was actually not the right person after all? It can be a, a, a bad situation to be in because by the time you realize it, often you are in a completely different place than where you want to be. You can be lost. Uh, numerous things could happen, and uh, it's not, not a fun thing. I, I found this guy on Twitter, and he tweeted this. This happened to him. He said, we literally just followed the wrong car for like 20 minutes and are probably going to be late for the ceremony. <laughs> now, I don't know who this guy is at all, uh, but I know that he was planning on going somewhere, and he got following the wrong person, and as a result, he was going to be late for the ceremony that he was planning on attending. We have to be careful about who we follow, don't we? Today, we live in a culture where every person in every business Wants, us, wants you and I to follow them on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Pinterest, all these different social media things. They want you to follow them. They want you to follow them in the movies that are coming out, all sorts of things. But is it safe for us as Christians to follow the stars? Should we allow ourselves to become obsessed with the latest drama out of Hollywood? Friends, I don't believe we should. I think it's a dangerous thing to fall and, and to go down that road. I believe that we're, not to call, we're called not to follow the ways of the world, but to follow the way of Christ. Amen? We should follow his word, and we should let his Holy Spirit be our guide. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. I've been studying 1 Peter recently, and I've, been, I've really been enjoying it. It's been a huge blessing to, to dig into God's Word there in 1 Peter, and it has so much good counsel for us as Christians as to how we should live and how we should conduct ourselves. And in 1 Peter, he writes specifically to certain groups of people. He writes to husbands, he, he, he writes to wives, he writes to elders, he writes to young people. So he's got a message, there's a message in there for each and every one of us. And in 1 Peter 2.18, we see that, Paul, uh, that Peter sorry, writes to servants or domestic slaves. Now I know that none of us here are domestic slaves in the same sense that they were domestic slaves back in the Greco-Roman world. Uh, but I think that there's some counsel in here that is definitely very applicable to us and can benefit us uh, in our world today. 
So we're going to go ahead and read 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 18. The Bible says, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the harsh. So here we see Peter is encouraging Christians in his day to be submissive to their masters, not just to the good ones, but also to the harsh ones. Now, for us and for all people, it's easier for us to, uh, to be nice to those that are nice to us, isn't it? It's, it's much easier to be nice to those that are nice to us, but it's a much harder thing to be kind and courteous and Christian to people that are not kind and courteous to us. Nevertheless, a harsh person or a harsh boss or a harsh master of any kind to deal with is no excuse for us as Christians to respond in an unchristlike manner. Amen? Verse 19 says this. It continues, it says, For this is commendable. Now this word commendable in the Greek is the same Greek word that is often translated grace. So, for this is grace. For this is commendable. If because of conscience towards God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. I like how the English Standard Version of the Bible puts it for this verse. Uh, It translates it this way. It says, It is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. Friends, the constant realization of the abiding presence of God enables believers to cooperate with God and to live victorious Christian life. When we realize that Christ has promised to never leave us nor forsake us, that he's there with us wherever we go, we can experience that victory that he wants to give us. Amen? When we are conscious and mindful of him, we will seek to do the things that please him, not out of uh, legalism, but out of love. Verse 20 continues, it says, For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. Now, if you're beaten or punished or fired, we'll put it in the more modern context for for many of us, if you're fired for doing good um, at your work or um, punished for doing something good for Christ, It says it is commendable before God. It it may not be pleasant. It may not be pleasant at all. But to know that you did what God wanted you to do, it's commendable before him. It's worth whatever physical pain, discomfort, or loss you have to face, knowing that you are pleasing Christ in the way you live your life. Friends, in the last days, there will be persecution, the persecution of God's people. Not because they are evildoers, not because they're bad citizens, but because they're following God and because they're doing good to others. They're sharing his truth. They will be following God and doing his will in every area of their lives, not in their own strength, but in the strength that God gives by his strength and by his power. So if you suffer for doing good, if you take it patiently, if you endure, it's commendable before God. Verse 21 continues. It says, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for who? 
He suffered for us. That's good news, isn't it, friends? That he did it for, for you and I. He did it for us. It's a personal thing. Those two words are very important. It says, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should do what? We should follow his steps. We should follow his steps. As Christians, we are called to follow Christ, to follow his steps. And we ought to follow his steps closely. Amen? That means we ought to accept the teachings of Christ and to follow them. It means that we ought to base our life off the teachings of Scripture. And in order to know what Jesus did, we need to study his word. Amen? We can read the Gospels and see what Christ has done for us, how he lived when he was on this earth, how he interacted with people of all different types. We ought to follow his example in all things. And that's why we, as a Seventh-day Adventist church, that's why we practice the foot washing. We practice the foot washing because we want to follow the example of Jesus in all things. In fact, Jesus said this in John 13, uh, 14 and 15. He said, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you a what? An example that you should do as I have done for you. So washing one another's feet is an act that was designed by Jesus to empty us of self, to emptiness of our selfishness. You know, back in their day, their feet were, were dirty. You know, they wore sandals and they, they walked all about and their feet were probably very dirty when Jesus washed the disciples' feet. But he humbled himself and served. He, was, he came to serve, and uh, Christ wants us to be able to serve one another. Amen? Even though our feet are probably very clean, we can still follow Christ's example in service for one another. When we truly follow his steps, that's, that's what we want to do is truly follow his steps. But in our world today, it's not popular to truly follow his steps. When we truly follow in the steps of Jesus, we will suffer persecution of various kinds. In fact, Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 3.12, he says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer what? They will suffer persecution. Now, we shouldn't be uh, uh, afraid and we shouldn't be ashamed of the persecution that may come upon us for Christ's sake. Why? Because Christ has promised us that he would never leave us nor forsake us. So you don't have to be afraid of what's going to happen because Christ has promised to be with you and to help you through every difficulty and challenge. He will give us strength to endure whatever may come our way. Secondly, Matthew 5, 11, and 12 says that we are blessed when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 2. When we follow 
in his steps, when we follow in Christ's steps, we should observe what he did. We should walk like he walked. We should talk like he talked. We should interact with people in a way that would be pleasing to Jesus. Going back to 1 Peter chapter 2, our main passage in verses 22 and 23, it says that he, that is Christ, committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Christ was honest and he was trustworthy. Amen? Honest and trustworthy. He didn't lie or cheat, even if it would have been a convenient thing to do. He did not do it. He did not lie or cheat. He lived the perfect life for you and I. He was the perfect sacrifice for the sins of humanity. The Bible says that no deceit was found in his mouth. And when, verse 23, and when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Particularly when Christ was tried and when he was crucified, he didn't threaten and he did not revile in return. Instead, he committed himself to the Father. He committed himself to one who judges righteously. And one day soon, friends, the righteous judge will make all things right. Amen? He will make all things right and he will make all things beautiful. Verse 24 continues. It says that Christ himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for what? Anybody there in verse 24? That we might live for righteousness. Having died to sins, that we might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. When Christ died on that tree, when he died on that cross, he did it for you and I, friends. He did it to die for our sins. He bore our sins. He took upon uh, our sins upon himself and paid our ransom. Why did he do it? because he's incredibly in love with each and every one of us. He loves you immensely and intensely and infinitely. He died that we might live for righteousness. He died to rescue us from our sins, that we might live forever with him. Matthew one twenty one is a verse I want to go to quickly. I'll put it on the screen for you. It says, And she shall bring forth a son, referring to Jesus, who would come, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Christ didn't come the first time just to leave his people, to leave us in our sins, but he came to save us from our sins. He knew that he had not, he knew that had he not come to this earth the first time, Humanity would have perished in their sins, but praise God, he had compassion upon us. Amen? He had compassion upon us. And look at what verse 25 tells us. 1 Peter 2, verse 25, it says, For you were like sheep going astray. Isn't that the truth, friends? We were like sheep going astray. At at different points in our life, at, at some point in our life, we have all been there like sheep that have gone astray, wandered away from the fold, wandered away from God. But praise God, the good shepherd came looking for us. He came looking for you and I. It continues, it says, for you are like, for you are like sheep going astray, 
but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Maybe you have wandered away recently. You've wandered away from Christ. Maybe you've been frustrated about some of the things that have been going on in your life, and you've drifted from the good shepherd. The good news, friends, is that the good shepherd is calling you back. He's calling you home. Today, right now, is the best time to come back to the Good Shepherd because he longs to have daily communion with you each and every day. Like the song says, he, he wants to, uh, to walk with you and talk with you along life's narrow way. He wants to be with you, involved in your life, helping you in your struggles, helping you in your trials. He longs for you to follow him and to follow his steps. He longs to cleanse you and longs to set you free from the burden of sin. How many of you want to experience that kind of communion with Christ each and every day, where, you, where he lifts your burdens, where he helps you, where you need help the most? Let us return to the good shepherd. Let us trust him to provide for us. Let us trust him even when we face uncertainty, even when we face suffering, grief, and trials in this life. As we close our message this morning, I'm going to give you, I want to kneel for prayer um, this morning. I want to give you an opportunity to just have silent prayer where you can talk to the Lord. This is a, a perfect opportunity if if, if things haven't been you know, going the way that you've wanted in your spiritual life and you want to come back to the Good Shepherd, I want to give you just time to be able to talk with the Lord one-on-one as we kneel for prayer, and then I'll, I'll close uh, for prayer as we prepare our hearts uh, for communion. Let's, let's bow our heads and kneel for prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we just want to thank you so much, Father, that you came and you suffered and you died for our sins, Lord, that, that you did not consider heaven a place to be desired while we were lost. And Father, that love motivated you to come and to pay the price for our sins. And Lord, we are so grateful, Lord, for what you have done for us. Lord, help us to, to remember what you've done for us each and every day, Lord. Help us to never take it for granted. And Father, Lord, like the song says, Lord, we are 
often prone to wonder. Prone, we're prone to leave you, Father, the God we love. But Lord, we pray that you would take our hearts and that you would, that you would do a work inside us, Lord, that we cannot do for ourselves. We pray, Lord, that you would take our heart of stone and that you would give us a heart that longs for you, Lord. And uh, Father, I pray that you would help us to follow your steps. Lord, there are so many people, so many things calling our attention, Lord, trying to distract us from what is most important, and that is following you. And so, Lord, please help us to be uh, close followers of yours, Father, that we would not follow you from a distance, but that we would follow uh, with you hand in hand, Lord, that we would truly walk with you and talk with you, that we could experience life together with you, Lord, that we could be your hands and your feet on this earth, Lord. You came to serve, and Father, you have given us an example, Lord. We, we want to serve one another at this time, Lord. We want to serve not just our fellow church members here and our guests, but Lord, we want to serve the community, Lord. We want to serve the world out there, Father. We want to help point them to you. So please, Lord, keep us encouraged. Give us wisdom to know how to reach those that do not know you. And Father, we pray that during this Christmas time, Lord, that we would truly remember what you did the first time when you came to this earth. And Lord, that that would remind us of what you are going to do soon, Lord, that you are coming again soon to save us from this world. And so, Lord, we long for that day. We pray that you would prepare our hearts. Help us, Lord, to be ready for that great day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.